Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here continuing our expectations series, having a lot of fun with this, bringing on analysts uh, to do their favorite players in a lot of cases. Uh, once again, I'm going to remind folks, we're doing two disparate players. So we have, uh, in this case, one offense and one defensive player, like we've done on most of these shows. Sometimes it's two defensive players, but we're avoiding uh, players of the same position group because that's not the kind of show we're doing. We're not debating the position group directly. We, we, we have a lot of analysts opining on why their player has a different spot or role within a position group, uh, perhaps. Anyway, joining me tonight is Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Thanks again for having me, Ken. Um, I'm excited to be here to talk about two players I think have you know an interesting potential in, in this this season. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter at Gabe Fergie, um, and um, you know, I'd love to come on the show and, and talk about these guys. So um, you know we can just jump right into it. I think the first player that I wanted to bring up was Ardarius Washington. Um, you know he's someone who is another interesting second-year player the Ravens got as an undrafted free agent last year. Um, very highly regarded in some circles. Uh, we, I think we did a show about Geno Stone, very highly rated by PFF. Our Darius Washington, also very high, highly rated by PFF. They had a second-round grade on him, but the measurables led him to be undrafted. Five foot eight, one less than 180, ran a slow 40. Those are not things that lead to being drafted in the NFL. NFL loves size, a cornerback. Both sides everywhere, but mostly it's a very important cornerback. Yeah. Um, also has short arms. So all those things are kind of negatives at him, whether he's playing cornerback or safety. Um, and, you know, that led to the Ravens being able to pick him up. And I, I think he has an interesting profile in terms of his ability to kind of diagnose. He's very instinctual, um, mm -hmm. can break on the ball really well. Um, we saw him make a lot of plays in college. And, you know, he was kind of all over the field in the preseason when he played for the Ravens last year, predominantly as that slot cornerback. 
Yeah, it's uh, he only played seven snaps on defense last year, so it wasn't a lot. But we saw him also in the preseason, and he was effective uh, there. And I, maybe that's what you're referring to because mm-hmm. he, you know, definitely he was one of the standouts, along with some other guys who honestly didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of play last year. Jalen Ferguson, for example, had a big. Uh, preseason, very disappointing regular season after that. But, uh, you know, Ardarius's season ended with a foot injury. I never did hear what the nature of that foot injury was. And if it's obviously, if it's Liz Frank, I'd be concerned about him being back. I don't know if he was at uh, the OTAs initially. So uh, I really don't know exactly what his status is currently. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good point. I haven't also seen any details about what the injury was. Um, you know, they were kind of decimated at the cornerback position last year. So if it was something that was significant, um, I mean, that, that's probably what kept him off the field. You think if it was something that was a little more minor, he might have made it back onto the roster eventually. Um, that didn't happen for him. And, and like you said, he didn't really play much during the actual uh, regular season last year. So pretty much all we're going off of was what he looked like as a college player, how he looked in training camp and preseason. So I think yeah. that's kind of, you know, it, it's a jumping off point, but there's it's a big question mark. Three years in college, he left as a redshirt sophomore, if I recall correctly. And and his redshirt freshman year, he was a Big 12 uh, defensive freshman. Defensive freshman of the year. He might have been the, the, the defensive freshman of the year. He's also on the uh, All-America freshman team from the Pro Football Writers. Uh, five picks uh, that year. So definitely a lot of ball skills uh, shown. And uh, didn't have any picks in the in his last college year. Uh, played a little bit less, only played nine games, but, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, certainly came out of college with, with a pedigree on everything, but as you mentioned, the measurables profile, the, the size, a big problem. One thing that it's kind of underrated about him because of, because of his size, I think people don't think about it too much is he's a very powerful dude and a very explosive dude, which is important when you're having to cover that whip route, need to stick your foot in the ground, go the other direction really quickly. On generally a slot receiver who might not be any faster than you, you know, some you, you have slot receivers who are, have really elite speed, but most slot receivers are kind of slower, craftier, get the guy to make a mistake right off the line of scrimmage guy, um, Welker. And I mean, it does, just doesn't have real top end speed, uh, but, he, but he's, uh, you know, a guy who, who, you know, definitely can force the other person to to read his leverage and, and, and make a move opposite that. Um Ardeus Washington, uh, uh, seventeen bench reps, which is unusually high for a you know a small corner. Having short arms does help, but that's still exceptional. Uh, the Ravens signed him to a record UDFA deal, their highest of the season. I, I won't say record. They might have they might have signed another guy for a hundred thousand, but I believe that's what Ardarius got. And the total pool is like one fifty or some yeah. such. But anyway, he got a big percentage of the total pool um, in terms of the relative amount. That pool's probably been growing, so that's why that might be a little higher. Um, He'll still only be 23 in November, which is kind of kind of nice for a second-year player. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot going for him. And, you know, if you can look past the measurables, um, you, you see a player who's very impactful on the field. Um, and like you said, he's explosive. Short area burst, short area quickness um, is, is very good. Um, the long speed might not be there, but that might not be as important for, you know, the slot corner role. He's often not, you know, covering someone on like a, a nine route out of the slot. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty rare for that um, position, especially um, in man coverage. It's, it's unlikely that he's going to be in that kind of position. So I, I think that, you know, that's his, that's where he does profile in the NFL. Um, probably a little undersized to play outside. Um, I would say definitely undersized to play outside, probably undersized to play safety as well. Although that's where he mm-hmm. played mostly in college, although he did cover the, the slot a, a bit in college as well. So I think it really just depends kind of on what the Ravens are looking for in that position. Um, you know, if you look at the cornerback room they have now, you have, you know, Brandon Stevens, he's bigger. Um, he looks more like a safety outside cornerback hybrid. Um, they played him mostly at safety last year um, after the Sean Elliott in, in injury. Um, he played some at free safety, some in the box. He kind of moved around a lot. Um, I don't see him necessarily being a slot cornerback in the NFL. I don't think he has that quickness that we talked about that mm-hmm. Washington does have. So they kind of have disparate skill sets there. One's bigger, stronger, more physical. One is more short, area quick, twitchy. Um, and he has that kind of ability to keep up with those you know, shifty slot receivers that, that can be a nuisance in, in the NFL for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I agree completely on on both counts on Washington and on Stevens. Stevens looks to me more like a guy who, uh, you know, more like Jimmy Smith on the outside. First of all, he's fairly compact at uh, six foot two oh six, which is great cornerback size if you can play fast. And uh, you know, he could well be one of these guys that's just a big physical bump the other guy out of bounds kind of cornerback. Uh, he used the sideline very effectively and, and you know, narrows that that uh, path as receivers go down the field. What's going to, I think, determine it for Stevens on the outside is whether or not he can keep himself from misstepping at the top of the route tree. If he's if he can mirror receivers, if he can figure out their leverage, then I think he'll be perfectly fine at outside corner. Uh, I would agree with you. I don't think he really makes sense in the slot. And there's not room for him at safety with the, all the talent the Ravens have there. Uh, if he did come to safety view because of a spate of in- injuries and maybe even a spate of injuries with also Clark leaving, that might leave a, a say a dime back role uh, back open for him. But uh, but I think he's probably he's probably where he needs to be at on the outside at corner. Uh, it'd be good to have some competition for Washington. Washington, in a lot of ways, I think is is lined up to win this job. I don't think there's a immediate competitor with him. How are you how are you feeling about that? What's his real competition on this team? Yeah. So, I mean, I thought. I thought at first it might be um, Pepe Williams uh, or Demarion Williams, you know, the fourth round pick. Um, he kind of profiles a little bit more as a slot corner too, a little smaller, um, 5'10". He doesn't have that blazing speed. Um, I think he's um, another player who's he's a little more like physical, someone who can, you know, come up and support the run. Um, I, I like, you know, some of the, what I've seen out of him, but he's also, you know, not the biggest guy either. So he's not going to, I think that that's where the competition is probably going to be. Um, the other guy to consider is the new signing, Kyle Fuller. Um, he played mostly outside corner for the majority of his career. Um, mm-hmm. Last year in Denver, um, he started outside, got benched, moved to the slot. Um, got benched again. <laughs> got benched again. <laughs> Still played some more in the slot. Um, he had a bad season. Um, and I, I think that it's that's the reason why the Ravens were able to get him um, this point in free agency. Um, you know, he's a hometown Baltimore kid. So it's nice to see, we have yet to see what his contract looks like. You know, if it's a vet minimum deal, he's not a lock to make the roster. If it's more like, I think uh, Jeff Zerebeck mentioned on Twitter that he was expecting somewhere around two to 3 million. That's Ooh. a little bit more money than I think he is more of like, uh, you know, more in consideration to be um, maybe your third outside corner. Um, and but it's let me more just like, say, uh, I seriously hope not. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we don't know yet, but I mean, I, to me, okay, I guess it was 2 million. I shouldn't be all that upset. Or if they guarantee him 500,000 for this year, because, yeah. you know, they, even if they caught him, they, you know, they want to, they want to take care of him. Um, but, but I'd still be a little bit upset if it was, if it really approached 3 million, if it's, if it's 1 million with incentives to three, I think I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's, uh, you know, if it's starting off at two or 3 million and there's a significant amount guaranteed there, uh, I'd be pretty upset based on you know his age and and how he played last year. Yeah, and I think that's that's reasonable, and I think that money could have been better spent on other positions. Um, so th- th- that would be a questionable deal if it comes in at that amount. And you know, it also could speak to how the Ravens feel about you know Marcus Peters coming back. That that could be mm-hmm. a reason why they decided to go that route with Fuller um, because they don't know what he's going to look like coming off the ACL. It's important that they have some depth there. Oh, it's absolutely important to have depth, period. Even if even if they thought Peters was healthy now, I mean, Peters and Humphrey are two now, you know, veteran players that are always at risk of, well, any any cornerback is of getting hurt when they, you know, play physically. Um, I, I guess one of the things about Fuller coming in is he doesn't really seem to be direct competition in the slot to me for Ardarius Washington. But if if he can win an outside job, then you may have Humphrey move back yeah. in the slot. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and we've seen that a lot out of Humphrey in the past. Um, I mean, two years ago in particular, I think he was primarily, you know, starting an outside corner. Um, then he would come in and play the slot on on nickel packages, which he ended up being in there probably 50 to 60% of the time, just based off the, you know, the, the amount of times the, you know, offenses put three and four wide receivers out there. And, you know, he yeah. plays well in the slot, but I think, you know, I think we both agree he's better suited playing outside. Um, but that also means that you have to have a good outside corner to be able to take his spot if he, if he is going to move into the slot. So there's potentially a lot of moving pieces depending on how Brandon Stevens develops. You know, Jalen Armour Davis might come in and be like a 
a guy who can start right away outside. Yeah. So there's a lot of options that the Ravens have. Um, and I think it gets back to what you were saying. There's going to be competition at a lot of different positions. Um, there's, there's health questions and it's good to have a lot of bodies. We've seen this position get decimated by injury over and over again for the Ravens. So um, hopefully that's not going to be the case, but um, in the end, we just want to have the best players out there. Um, and, you know, I think Washington is going to be given that chance. Yeah, I, I think if you look in terms of who his competition is, it's not just maybe Williams one, uh, Stevens two kind of kind of players or even Fuller in there if he somehow moves Humphrey back to the slot. Uh, the other guy who could be a competition, who, who, you know, who's going to lose snaps to is a possible preponderance of big nickel looks. Mm. So if the Ravens decide against 12 personnel, they're always going to play big nickel. And it was a sometimes in the past. It definitely wasn't an always, but it could be always with the, with the set of safeties they have. And, or if, you know, other teams run 12 a fair amount, but if they also decide, Hey, there's some teams with big receivers in the slot who are not particularly fast. We love the idea of Kyle Hamilton on him, or we love the idea of having Chuck Clark starting off with press on that guy, especially if he's a big part of their passing attack. Um, then I think I think he could lose uh, you know snaps there, and you know, the the league probably plays about eighty five percent or 80 85 percent anyway. Eleven personnel. Uh, when when I mean that, I mean eleven and more, meaning meaning a one and ten included in that. Um, but but uh, you know it, it, what that basically tells you is that that there are an awful lot of nickel snaps that have to be divided somehow, and so there's, yeah. there's going to be ways to do it. Yeah, and I think. Um... It, it allows you to have versatility in, in, in your defensive back room, which is, which is important. And because mm-hmm. there are a lot of different types of receivers, like you mentioned, there's there's the big guys. Um, a lot of times they'll you'll put a big receiver in the slot. Sometimes you'll put your best receiver in the slot just because you get better, you Match know, up. releases and matchups out of that position. Um, and that, and depending on the types of bodies that opposing teams have, sometimes it's good to have that smaller shiftier corner. You know, the Tavon Young that we've had in the past, Ladarius Webb has kind of been able to, to be that guy in the past who can cover that type of receiver. Um, and Washington has that profile of, of that player. And I think he profiles best out of the current Ravens, you know, defensive backs to, to take that role. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him in there. Um, it is going to be a numbers game though. You know, the Ravens have a lot of good defensive backs now. Um, a lot of players are in the mix and um, that's a good thing right now when we're, when we're looking at depth, but you know, the guys who are on the, you know, so to speak, bubble or proverbial bubble. You know, Washington might be one of those guys. Um, he, in terms of from, in terms of the contract, he's not someone you're really committed to. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, being a second year player, I, I mean, I, I they didn't draft him, so they don't have to live with that mess. But you know, I would think he's behind Fuller, for example, as a player. He's he's probably Stevens is probably ahead of him because they expended a third round pick and they don't want to look foolish on that. Uh, but but in fact, all selections now are sunk costs. So if Ardarius Washington's one of your top guys, you'd be foolish not to not to keep him, even if you have to yeah. cut a draft pick of some sort. Uh, if I, the way I'm looking at the roster right now, it could be that there's a safety cut for him. Uh, you know, Geno Stone probably is not completely safe this year. That would be the one who would who would do it. But I think he'll make the team. That would give him five. I think they, if uh, if they keep five, they could well keep six corners. Um, and, uh, it's possible they'll only keep five, but I think it's very possible they'll keep six. And if you look down the list, you would, you, you start with Humphrey, uh, Jalen Armour Davis and, um, and, uh, uh, Peters in that group. And then maybe Fuller makes it, maybe he doesn't. I think our Darius Washington does make it. Um, and then Demarion Williams, you just drafted him. I think you, you'd look pretty foolish if you cut a fourth round draft pick right away, but more than likely, I think they, they probably, if their depth holds up, they probably keep six at that position, given some of the recent horse crap that's happened year after year. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of fungibility at the end of the roster. You know, there's yeah. a six wide receiver, a fourth running back, you know, a sixth defensive lineman, a fifth linebacker. You know, recently the Ravens have kept five linebackers, but this year it looks like it might be a four linebacker group. So that, that allows you the option to keep a six cornerback and five safeties or six safeties. Uh, that's something different this year, potentially. With the rules that the NFL now has in terms of IR too, there's a lot of flexibility that teams like the Ravens can get very creative using to get a mildly injured player onto the roster. So he provides still that depth and they've got a number of guys who are potential handshake deals. Fuller is among those, you know, that you could, you could bring back on a handshake deal. If you cut him, I don't think anybody else is really going to want him. Um, and then there's a lot of others. I mean, there's, you know, there's, um, uh, 
Urban is a handshake deal mm-hmm. to have a handshake deal, and uh, uh, the running back they got, well, I'm forgetting his name, Davis, is uh, Mike Davis. Yeah, yeah, is he'd be a handshake deal as well. So they they have probably about four or five guys now on the roster who who make obvious kind of handshake deals. So that, that means you can slip through four or five guys if you want onto the roster. Last year they really took advantage of that. This year they may not use all of them on handshake deals, but they well might, or they might come close. Uh, based on the amount of depth they have now. Yeah, and I think Tony Jefferson might be another guy who yes, that's you know, another. has has yeah. that um, that connection and he's been on the team before, a good veteran who you can have that arrangement with for sure. You know, maybe the new Anthony Levine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- there are options um, and there's going to be that potential to, to make some moves like that. Um, you know, you never hope for injuries, obviously, but you have to expect something's going to happen like almost always there's somebody that's not ready to go at the start of the season you can put them on the ir and have them come back you know week four week six however long it takes um and and that depth is it when that becomes important right your your next guy that we're going to talk about there's an interesting potential designation for him too but we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a moment i i've got a couple more goals or i've got some goals for sure. washington i wanted to talk about if you don't mind stay with nfl slot receivers is probably the big one uh, needs to contribute as a downhill defender. Obviously, size has been an issue. Let's let's see what we've heard about him in terms of his aggressiveness as a tackler, maybe getting after the quarterback because that's something the Ravens have liked to do out of the slot under Wink, uh, even under Pease, but under Wink for sure. Uh, so that's something that's in that job description. I want to see him come downhill pretty well in a running back too. And you can't afford to be fragile at that position in the Ravens system because unlike the Marvin Lewis days where the outside corners are obviously being told, don't stick your neck in the in the pile. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, are, are all the cornerbacks are really expected to play pretty physically. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely somewhere where he can improve. You know, obviously being on the slider side, it's a little more challenging um, to kind of be that physical player. Although I think he has the mentality. You know, just mm-hmm. watching the way he's very um, aggressive in terms of his ability to kind of, you know, a. a identify you know what, what he needs to do and read and react i think he almost has like a linebacker mentality kind of like a marlon humphrey um ability and in, in but the size is going to be something that keeps him in trouble sometimes in the open field when he's going up against bigger tight ends for instance or big running backs there's a chance he just gets run over and, and he just doesn't have that size that some of the other defensive backs have yeah it, it does force him to be an excellent form tackler with right. who he is. He has to play leverage properly means if his job is the outside leverage on that runner, he better be on that outside thigh. If, if, if his job is to uh, take the runner down in the open field, he's probably coming in low and he's, yep. he's, he's going to know how to do it. So I I'm, I'm, uh, I'm optimistic, but, uh, but we'll see how it, uh, how it plays out. Let's talk what about what a good and a great year would be. If you don't have any additional goals, you have any additional goals you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, we can kind of mix it in here and start with the good perhaps. And I think, something that I would like to see from him would just be um, more contribution on special teams. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that you really need from these kind of like fringe bubble players. And, and maybe if, you know, he proves himself more as a slot cornerback as kind of like the starting slot cornerback, then he doesn't have to be that. But if he's more on the back end of the depth chart, he's going to have to be someone who can contribute consistently as a special teams player. He was playing some special team snaps when he was active last year in the three games that he was active, but he wasn't one of the top special teams contributors. I think he was only in certain packages. So I think that's something that he can definitely um, improve on, Um, you know, kind of learn that skill set perhaps more than he has in the past. And then, you know, with that to build off of, you know, just, just be part of that defensive back room, be part of, you know, that one of those packages where he's out there, as we talked about, as a guy who's kind of the go-to defensive back when there's one of those smaller shifty uh, receivers. And I think that's something that I would like to see from him in this second year. I think the Ravens would like to see that from him. He, sh- That's like you said, they, cut Tavon Young partially because of salary cap reasons, but partially because I think they had someone that they counted on um, with, with our Darius Washington. So that, that's, that's what I want to see from him. That's, that would be a good season. Okay. I think that's good. So a designated role as you're kind of finding it and better play on special teams. That's actually, I, I think yeah. I like yours better than mine, but I'm just going to read you mine verbatim as, as we'll have it here returns early in the season and plays at least some slot cornerback during the season to quali- due to the quality of practice. So they won't know, 
we might not see him in the preseason. It's possible. I don't, I don't really know the status of his injury, but if if he if he plays in those games, that should provide him a good opportunity. He's excelled there in the past. I'd, I'd hope he'd do it again. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of from practice. In, so, in some ways, that's the best way to know what the, how the coaches feel about him. And proves adequate or better in the role, and his size is not a glaring issue on hmm. the field. I didn't have anything about special teams, but you know, just in the role they choose for him, that his size is not a glaring issue. That'd be a good season for me. Yeah. And, you know, we, we mentioned the size multiple times and, you know, there's a reason for that. It's, he's going to be one of the smallest players in the NFL, definitely one of the smallest cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, and, you know, we have seen some of these small wide receivers taken, uh, you know, the Steelers just drafted um, Calvin Austin. He's like five foot seven, you know, 180. So, you know, there's a role for defensive backs who can cover that. And, you know, Calvin Austin is a, is a speedy guy and, you know, our Darius doesn't have that kind of skill set, but if he's running shorter routes, if he's, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who can cover you in, in the, you know, the 10 to 20 yard space. Um, and, you know, we can go to the, the great season. Um, and I think for me, that's him just latching onto that starting slot cornerback role and running with it, you know, being the guy who is your designated third cornerback playing in the slot, um, whether I mean, you know, there might be some situations where we talked about where Kyle Hamilton's out there against bigger receivers. There might be some other cornerback packages as well. But if he can become that guy, that's a huge role on, on the defense. It's a very important role. We've seen it um, being manned by some of the best cornerbacks on the Ravens roster over the past decade. And I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he can, you know, fill those big shoes that have been there in the past. But if he can play that to a, a high degree, that's a great season for him. Yeah. I, I agree. I've got almost exactly the same thing. I've stated it slightly differently. Wins the starting job out of camp preseason, establishes himself as a likely three-year starter, meaning two, three, and four, um, at slot cornerback with play that's above average. That's all I need, above average. Uh, and here's the big one. He incents no rotation from Stevens or Fuller. So I, I, he's got to outplay those two guys who I think are just kind of average NFL talents on, on the upside at this point. Um, so Stevens is on the outside. Yeah, it'd be great if he if he kind of pressed him for play. But if he actually is, is forcing any rotation uh, because of who he is, that's bad. If Stevens comes in on the outside for Peters to, for the fourth quarter of a game that the Ravens are, you know, blowout or, or win or loss, no problem. But if, if, if they if they bring Stevens on and effectively are replacing Washington, I'd be pretty upset with Washington over that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it might just get back to whether the question is, can you have, you know, Stevens on the outside and Peters on the outside and Humphrey in the slot? Is that a better mm-hmm. three corners than having, you know, Humphrey, Peters on the outside and Washington in the slot? I think that's the question that's going to be the important one for sure. Washington. And, and I'm being clear. That's exactly the situation. I want Washington yeah. to clearly beat out Peters. I'm yeah. uh, sorry, beat out, beat out um, uh, Stevens and force Humphrey to the outside where he should be better too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. Okay. We ready to move on to Jawan James here? Yep. We can do okay. that. Two interesting players, man. You, you get the best. You get the best <laughs> of these. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Jawan James' background. He had a solid first five years with the, with the Dolphins. He was drafted number 19 overall in 2014. Solid NFL lineman, got hurt in 2018, his fifth year with them, uh, did not get re-signed. He got signed by Denver. He played all of 63 snaps for them. So he's another Denver reject, sort of thing, <laughs> <laughs> along with Kyle Fuller. Yeah. Um, uh, he hasn't played since 2019 due to injury, been barely played, just got into three games for 63 total snaps in 2019. Um, he's just turned 30, uh, or, okay, we're recording this actually two days before his 30th birthday, I believe, but he will have turned 30 by the time you hear this. Uh, Ravens signed him to a two-year deal. It includes $2.5 million in non-guaranteed money, so they could cut him and definitely get that back, and I'm not sure about the last 500000 It's listed as a roster bonus. I don't know whether that's fifth day of the league year in his case or if his roster bonus is you make the team, you get it. So it could be either, and that's actually a, a, a fairly significant distinction in his case. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the money either, but I think, you know, you covered it pretty well. Um, completely played, well, not entirely, I would say about 80% of his snaps have been right tackle. Right tackle, I think he played, right. he played Half a little season. bit of left tackle in his rookie year to not play well. And he's been right tackle his entire career. Um, kind of gotten better and better, I think, uh, you know, as his, as his career progressed. Um, signed a pretty big contract with Denver at the time um, for a right tackle. It was, it was one of the higher right tackle contracts um, that had been 
given. Um, and like you said, barely played. Um, he did opt out, I think, of 2020 because of COVID. So I, I don't think it was injury related or I mean I know he did get injured the previous year so maybe it was kind of an extension of that and then you know COVID happened and he he did end up opting out and then 20 before the 2021 season towards Achilles the Broncos cut him um because he tore it and it wasn't in a practice facility um the Ravens took advantage of the opportunity to kind of get somebody kind of lottery ticket right they 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 didn't pay him too much guaranteed money, opportunity to potentially get, you know, a quality starting tackle, um, more so looking to this year than the previous year. Um, and I think it's interesting. Um, you know, he was kind of starting to ramp up some activities last year, but never made it onto this onto the roster. Um, I think the plan all along was for this season to be the time where he would be an option at, at that position. Um, and I think, you know, it's a really good insurance that the Ravens have there at right tackle. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of flown under the radar and in, in, in a lot of conversations as someone who the Ravens do have on their roster. Um, you know, the, the right tackle position is probably deeper now than has been in a, quite a while. You have probably four guys who can play right tackle for you on the roster. Um, left tackle is a bit more questionable, and I don't think James is really the solution there. But um, if you can, you know, put Moses at left tackle potentially, and then you, you can put James at right tackle, um, that's not the worst situation for you to be in as um, as a Stanley insurance policy. It, it could be worse. I I, <laughs> I I guess I would say that. Um, I I I think Falele is the guy who's probably being overlooked in the hmm. scenarios you're talking about. That I I I personally I'm fine if Falele wins the job right out of camp. Moses is putting bubble wrap for the year, and they're able to kind of decide at some point that they don't need James. And there is a way they can do that, despite the fact that he's a veteran and he has a salary and whatnot. If he's cut for game one and then he returns, presumably on the handshake deal for the same money, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of demand for his services. I might be wrong. He's a tackle. So somebody else could pay him some money and and say, hey, you know, we'll give you four million. The Ravens only want to pay you the same three they agreed to pay you before that you've outgrown that contract. Uh, you know, some, somebody could give him more money who's really desperate for a, for a tackle. But I think more than likely he comes back. And then if he, if he starts week two, uh, you can cut him at any point during the season and you do not owe him the rest of his money for the year. So you end up having a way to save a little money. And that gives you time to evaluate your three-man tackle group, uh, whether or not McCary has been called on somewhere else. If you're going to use him as a fourth tackle, say, uh, you would have that option too. But I, the hope is that obviously that Falele is the big star of training camp and preseason looks good enough to jump in right away. And his mirror looks good enough that it might even hold up on the left side. If you had all those happen, I don't think you have a need for John James on this team. I, I, I agree with you. Um, if, if that happens, I, I do think that's a bit optimistic. Um, and in my estimation, um, you know, I think there's a reason why Falele went, in the fourth round, um, yeah. even though some you know places had him rated higher than that, I, I think he's more of a project tackle. I think he needs a year um, to kind of learn the position in the NFL caliber. I, I mean, you know, this isn't a Felele podcast, so I don't want to talk about too much about him, but um, it is relevant to, to to James's trajectory. So I think that you know he's someone who he needs to be in a system where he's not protected to see how he works and see how he looks in, in that type of you know, in a five-man offense where he doesn't have help, um, where, they're, where they're not doing some of the run-heavy schemes. I know the Ravens are run-heavy, but there mm-hmm. are times you're going to have to be in true pass sets. And I think that's where Valele, you know, he struggled a little bit um, in, in college. And um, maybe he can be there and, and maybe he can, you know, improve his, you know, his ability to mirror, like you said. Um, I, I think he's okay as a run blocker you know he's big so that helps and Mm -hmm. he can definitely move people but he's not as physical as someone with his size could suggest he's not orlando brown for instance um so you know if you you can have that type of orlando brown you know first year starter at right tackle that's great you know that's that's kind of the pipe dream and you, you get that player in the fourth round and you put him out there maybe not week one um maybe week six um that would that's more realistic to me um, in that scenario. Do you f- still feel comfortable cutting James um, if, you, if you see enough out of Falele, but you don't see him as the immediate starter? 
thinking back to Brown and his and his rookie year and how that went, I mean, Brown looked like he should have been given the job yeah. right out of right out of a training camp. Uh, he was drafted eighty three. Falele's one ten, so approximately a round later. Uh, I, I understand the the hesitation, um, and and I, I'm not saying that the chance is more than about twenty five to thirty percent that it ends up being that way. That Falele looks good enough to really take a chance on. Um, I think you're, you're probably right. Um, a, a project year is appropriate. We may find a lot of things about Falele. We might find he's not strong enough for the NFL. Yeah. That's that's quite possible. But he's got a lot of technique things to worry about. You know, uh, had the discussion about him recently with Alec Pulianis. Playing high came up as a as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a lot of a patty cake player right now yeah. as a pass blocker, which to me is bad because he should really be using his punch. He has great length, and you know if if the Ravens can teach him those things, then, you know, probably that's a time-consuming process. But if he's, you know, would it be great if 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 he shows up at camp and he's had positional coaching already? He's gone to LaCharles Bentley School or some other, you know, real offensive line individual coach, uh, coaching guru would say, no, okay, armpit, you know, and fake left, go right with the with the armpit move there. And if, if they can teach him some of the, you know, the basics, frankly, of – knocking a uh, smaller pass rusher and, you know, every, every pass rusher in the NFL underweighs him by a hundred pounds. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, what he can do to them ought to be pretty, uh, pretty remarkable, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, you're probably right. It's, he's probably a year away. I always hope for more. Uh, Brown did not look like a, particularly like a physical specimen when he came in and the, the measurables were laughable, frankly, that's yeah. how, what got him to drop to the point he did. So um you know, maybe maybe a guy with with his nose a little bit to the grindstone in terms of of really wanting to learn the position more has a has a chance. We'll see. He's got he's got a six weeks before camp. This would be a great time to use for that. Yeah, yeah. And with Brown, you know, he actually really went underwent a body transformation. You know, mm-hmm. after Oklahoma, I think he dropped something like forty pounds. Um, really got in better shape, um, and, and I think it showed um, in, in his ability that you know. He tested horribly. You know, Falele also tested horribly, kind of like equivalently bad um, in like the, I think like the fifth percentile in terms of like the overall like athletic score. Um, they were both really, really poor. So it's, you know, it, it's it's hard to see him becoming like quite as as nimble as, as Brown turned out to be, but maybe I'm wrong. And, and he does have, I think, pretty good, moving skills for a guy his size he doesn't Uh look like a plotter he is a little he's lighter on your in his feet than you would expect but i I don't know if he kind of has the the mm, maybe the ability to kind of connect the dots so to speak like he's a little bit hesitant i think and and his uh, and his he's almost scared of like hurting someone it looks like at times so yeah i i agree i i see that too that that's the the patty kick offensive line play is really getting at that and you know he's he's got a pretty good mirror but he's got to know when to convert it's kind of like speed to power as a rusher Mm -hmm. you need to convert know when to convert mirror to defending the back pylon of the pocket with length so he needs to he's got tremendous length Guy gets it underneath him, outside him with a speed rush. He needs to be not afraid to push him with all he's got uh, towards that back pylon, and and uh, hopefully have that be enough to to uh, get the playoff. Uh, Ricky Wagner, a guy who who played with length, uh, he didn't have great length himself personally, but he but he played um, effectively with what he had in terms of getting a guy to the back pylon of the pocket. And of course, Orlando Brown, uh, that was that's his game. So yeah, exceptional. Right. You know, and getting back to Juwan James, um, maybe we're we're not also giving him enough credit as a player himself. You know, you you mentioned he hasn't played very much over the past three seasons, really. So mm-hmm. we don't really know like the shape he's in. You know, what he's been doing over this time. Obviously, rehabbing injury has been part of it. Um, but he could have you know a chip on his shoulder. You know, he he did get a very big contract. He was let go under somewhat sketchy circumstances, um, and and he you know he does have that first round pedigree of, of a quality starting tackle in in the NFL. So um, if he can be that player, he might be the best right tackle on the Ravens' offense right now. Like he might just go out and win the right tackle starting position. That, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Then you could, like you said, put Moses kind of on the sidelines, have him just as the backup swing tackle guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then in that situation, you probably either have Felele as a, say, like a, you know, an active on, on most game days. I think that's mm-hmm. probably 
where he's going to be at the start of the season regardless. Um, but, um, you know, if, if you have James as your starting right tackle, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you if he comes out and plays at that level that he was before he um, he got hurt. Yeah, to me, I th- I think Falili is going to get some activations over James. So let's say they keep them both. And you really want to sit one lineman. I think you do keep all of the interior guys active. They'll have five interior guys and four tackles. I think they'll keep all the interior guys active on a, on a weekly basis, whoever that ends up being on the mm-hmm. team, by the way, which we don't, we really don't know. And then James sits. And the reason Falili will, will be activated is because they have a number of gadget plays they could use him in where they really want his size and not just James's size. Mm-hmm. Even if James kind of looks like he can play tackle again, I don't think – you necessarily keep him around for, for what effectively is the rest of that game each week. Yeah. You may activate him the next week and you, and you, and you may start him the next week, but I, I think that, you know, Falele has as much more use as say a fullback or a extra sixth offensive lineman. Yeah, that, that could very well be the, be the case. Um, I mean, just having that size out there in certain packages, jumbo packages definitely has mm-hmm. a certain appeal to it. Maybe he'll catch a touchdown too. Yeah, could could be. I mean, I, I you know when the Ravens ran that QB power play on fourth and two against Seattle in 2019, and they 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 love QB power fourth and yeah. one and a half or less. They love QB power for just a lot of those opportunities. But when when they did it against Seattle in particular, they put every big player they had on the field, and that would have been another case. And Harbaugh has shown this love for this in the past is. Uh, where they don't love to get Halili on the field as an extra offensive lineman there, maybe even more than it than you know, Hurst or the tight end mm-hmm. who was probably the lightest player on the field for the Ravens on that uh, on that play, other than uh, Jackson. So, uh, <laughs> uh, pretty pretty good chance. And you look back to how they used Halodi Nada uh, yeah. in 2008 to 2010, and and how effective that was. I I could easily see Harbaugh wanting to 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 try and go back to some of that. Yeah, that, that could be interesting. And, and you know, there's a couple guys who could potentially fit that role as well maybe the travis travis jones could be out there as a as a fullback with with a patrick ricard you know he's a big body too like we can move um so you know it'd be interesting to see if there's some you know fun creative packages with some of these these big guys um uh, i could see that as being you know a weapon with, with a guy like lamar jackson for sure okay i've got i've got about uh, four goals and they're very brief for juan james and and i, I want to hear yours too so if you want to alternate with me let's just go ahead but goal number one for me is health one word yeah yeah, I mean that—that that was what I was going to say too. That—that's the key. We haven't seen it for a very long time, um, and for him to have any real impact, he has to be healthy. That's—that's that's, that's above and beyond everything else. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, so uh, the second one is maybe one that it may be unfair and it may not be because I really don't know the circumstances of exactly why he was cut in Denver. It was a fifty-one million dollar deal that he got seventeen million of uh, before he was cut. But I want a demonstration that he still wants to play football. He's got a relatively small contract on the line, but he's playing for a a big prize next year. Uh, If this is an end game for him, I want the Ravens to have no part of it. Absolutely no part of it. I do not want the last 3 million of earnings for the thing. You know, you, you remember what, Ed Reed said about his time with the, either the Texans or the jets. He said, thanks for the three mil. Yeah, I, it was, you know, I, I, that is the last thing I want Juwan James telling his grandkids, even if it's in an empty room, otherwise uh, about, uh, about his career. I, I, if, if, if he's here playing for the Baltimore Ravens, it better be because he wants to this year. Yeah. And, you know, I think I mentioned the situation about why he was cut and it might've been just because of injuries um, compounding itself and, you know, um, opting out of the, of the COVID year. Um, but he also got hurt doing an off-season workout outside of its facilities. Right. And and if you remember, there was actually kind of like a bit of a hubbub about it because, you know, there were some people who were very upset that he was released because of that. And it, it was due to like the nature of the way that contracts work. They're allowed to cut him if you get hurt, if you don't get hurt playing on the facilities. Um, but a lot of players have to do that because they can't train in the facilities during the off-season. So right. you're trying to make yourself better, but then you injure yourself and then you're liable for it. So we'll see how he comes back from that. I think, you know, he, I don't know who else was interested in bringing him back last year after the injury. I don't know if there were other teams looking for him or the Ravens were the only team who were kind of in on him. Um, but they saw it as an opportunity. Um, I mean, I would imagine they would have spoken to him and, and had some sense of what kind of player he was. 
Well, I mean, that's fair. They, they certainly would have spoken to him. They certainly would have, you know, brought him in, worked him out, tried to, they actually, they wouldn't have worked him out because he was hurt when, when he signed the deal, yeah. but they, they would have talked to him and try and get a sense of who he was, but they also protected themselves. And mm-hmm. with a lot of non-guaranteed money yeah. that says basically, hey, you know, we're going to cut you if, you if you if you're not really interested in playing. And the best solution for a player who's in James's position, and Eric Williams comes to mind as a guy who the Ravens got at the end of his career with the Cowboys. Great career there. Uh, came to Baltimore. Looked to me like he had pretty much given up on the game. But they they signed him to one of these starting week two deals, and uh, he barely got on the field for the Ravens uh, during his time there. It was cut eventually uh, uh, before the year ended. I, I don't think that's an unrealistic place for Juwan James to end. I, I, I it, It's not easy for me to gauge how much other interest there would be in the league for him on some other team that might essentially burn the Ravens out of what they've got in terms of an option right now if they were to cut him. So that's the Ravens obviously have to have to kind of play that game and try and understand what's the value of this thing I have right now and what am I putting at risk by by cutting him. Yeah, I think that's really going to depend on how he looks. And mm-hmm. does if he looks like someone who's a starter and caliber player, I don't think you risk cutting him. Right, I agree. So if he looks like he's someone who's like kind of getting there on the verge, maybe I mean, there's potential that he could even start the season on the pup list still, right? Or is that I'm not even sure how that works at being like so far away removed from football. I I don't know if he's if he's current. If I don't know, if, I'm not actually sure where he is right now in yeah. terms of his roster status right now. But he probably if he, he might be able to be on the pup list right yeah. now. Yeah. So there 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 potentially could be some roster flexibility with him, um, mm-hmm. even if he's not cut. Um, so. That's something that you know. I th- I'm sure that's going to go into the the calculus of of determining what his status will be. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair enough. Um, my third thing, you know, it's after the health thing, but is that the injuries and age have not taken their toll, and he still can be effective as a backup if called upon. You know, we just got a pretty good jolt last year from a guy who. Uh, was actually playing at his original position. Talking about Alejandro Villanueva playing out of position is not reasonable. He was left tackle his whole career at Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's you know where, where he uh, rolled up some decent PFF scoring at least. Whether you whether you want to really roll into that, what we noticed as a player with him is that he really was a guy who didn't keep his balance very well, gave up a lot of pressures between two and a half and three seconds, and was a much more significant liability than the PFF scores would indicate. Uh, I, I'm. I'm uh, concerned um, about relying too much on three-year-old PFF scores to to um, rely on James for 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think it really just depends on how he looks, and he's going to have to be healthy in, in training camp, I think, in order for him to to make the roster. And it's and he has to not only be healthy, but he has to look like a player who can be a quality starter for you if, if called upon. And right. I think that's just the bottom line. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, do you want to start with a good year for, for, or do you have yeah. anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I think a good year um, would be like we started with health. I mean, that's, that's where it starts. He has to be healthy. And I think he has to look adequate enough to be a backup for you. And mm-hmm. if, if that means he can, has to come in in certain situations because of injury, um, maybe, um, Maybe some days he's inactive, some games he's active. Um, but if he can be someone you can count on, um, that that's at least in a backup role. That that would be a good year for him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely in agreement. He doesn't a good year does not even depend on playing time for him. It depends on being healthy, being effective enough in the preseason, being effective enough in practice yeah. that the Ravens decide he's a guy that they want to bank on as a backup. And if if they don't ever have to put him on the field. That's a damn good thing because it means that that Stanley is probably healthy. It probably it means that you know Moses or Falele is doing the job well enough that they don't need him. Uh, great, let's let's do it that way. And if they can save a few bucks by by cutting him and paying him week to week, and they and they do that anyway because they like what he's doing in practice, that's good too. He, and any way you look at it, I think that um, if the Ravens decide to pay him, it's probably a good year for him. Yeah, and then for a great year, I mean, I think whether it's by course of injury or by, you know, his own just ability, if he can come out and be a starting right tackle and play, you know, above average in that position for the Ravens, that's a great year. I mean, because a, a good 
above average right tackle will be very important for this offense. And um, the tackle position has been a deficit the past two years. And, and if, especially if you get Stanley back on the left side and you can have a quality starting right tackle opposite of him, that's going to go a long way to getting the offense back on track. That's fair enough. That that, that certainly would be great. Um, I said I worded it a little differently. Provides an important insurance policy and is effective when called upon at right tackle as an extra offensive lineman or on field goal formations. I think that's his only real special teams usage. So I wanted to put mm-hmm. that in there. Uh, as an extra offensive lineman, he potentially could be used the same way that Falwelli could be used. Um, and and I, I still think in a great year, in an ideal sense, you probably kind of hope he isn't called upon. I think it's so unlikely that his play demands that he be put in unless Stanley actually, you know, is injured again. And I don't know how that ends up being good for the Ravens. I can't manufacture a, a situation where that, that uh, would be, but I guess he could still bail the Ravens out, I guess, if, yeah. if somebody moved to left tackle. So, all right. I'll, I, anything else? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, I think you, you said it. I mean, it, it might be great for James, but not great for the Ravens. If, if he's a starting yeah. player for them this year, that's, I will, I will say that. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, Gabe, always fun to talk football with you. This has been a great discussion. And, you know, these are the kind of interesting uh, fringe, you know, playing time players that are that are very interesting to talk about. I think we're both kind of optimistic on what Washington might do. Uh, I'm probably a little more pessimistic on who James is right now and, and you know, what, what the Ravens may rely on. But this is just a great discussion all the way through and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks where the people can talk football with you. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, you know, it's kind of the the off season gloomies right now. <laughs> There's not much going on, but um, it, it's also an opportunity to kind of look back and and, and reevaluate, look at different players, look at some of the unique um, things that the Ravens did over the past couple of years, and and see you know what we might be looking forward to in, in the coming year. So, you know, I'm you know putting out interesting maybe comments on Twitter and not, not so much breaking down film or anything right now, but I might get into that a little later into the um, off season as we head into the training camp. Um, but yeah, um, also um, co-host of the Ravens, the situation room podcast. Um, we like to break down games after right after they occur and talk about some of those important plays that happen. Um, look at some of the decision-making, the play calling that went into it and kind of break it down from that angle. All right. Outstanding pod. Give that a chance, guys, if you haven't already. Also, make sure you you follow at Gabe Fergie and at Raven Sitroom, regular contributors to this show. If you've heard them on before, you know how good they are and uh, they're really worth following. Uh, if you're out there and you'd love to be on a film study short this summer, I'd love to have you. Uh, send me a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I will respond to you quickly. Best topic is very narrow. We can finish it in 25 or 30 minutes. But if you have an idea for a series where you really want to delve into something more deeply, that's fine too. I'd love to do a three or four episode series. And I've got several of those this summer that we're working on. Every one of them I'm finding to be intriguing in terms of the discussion. Gabe, wonderful to have you on. Thanks again for coming. Thanks again, Ken. Um, Looking forward to the next time. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. The ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.